I'm Anwar. And I'm Fairlith. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Discast. Good afternoon, Anwar. Good afternoon, Fairlith. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really good. I'm I'm good. I watched like, I don't know, six Disney vlogs last night just to try and pretend it's not winter during a <laughs> pandemic. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so, what are we talking about today? Today we are discuss- discussing Pinocchio, the next film in the Golden Age series, which I... I feel is very just in general a very interesting film. It is. It's so it's so very odd. <laughs> it's odd and it's beautiful and I don't know Pinocchio had a bit of a fraught um gestation period I guess. It wasn't supposed to be the second movie that No. they produced. So I guess it ended up kind of weird because of that. Maybe I don't know. I mean, what I was reading was that Bambi was supposed to be second, and it was so difficult to animate Bambi himself mm-hmm. that they pushed it back so that they could the artist could practice animating him more. Oh, yeah, because they brought in, like, actual animals and everything in order to replicate that, yeah. the, uh, well, the movement of the deer and everything. Well, they did a lot of that um, in the early days of Disney animation, and um, mm-hmm. the last direct rotoscoping that disney did is also present in pinocchio which part the blue fairy oh yes of course i remember because when you watched when we watched it i remember even actively pointing it out the fact that the blue fairy was like is visibly the most differently animated character in the film yeah well she looks really rotoscoped but like it's 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 cool because she ends up looking ethereal and weird compared oh to the yeah other and it super like, super works yeah, I think it's a great choice. I love yeah. the Blue Fairy in that movie. I think she's, like, I, I know the movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but no. I think the Blue Fairy is great. I would like to be just like her when I grow up. Just beautiful and ethereal and just, like, turning <laughs> puppets into people. people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fully messing with people. Yeah, she just keeps, like, she sends Jiminy Cricket a letter. Like, it's so funny. It's great. She's up there being <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, before, are we going to do our little newscast before or after our deep dive into the world of Pinocchio? Uh, let's do a little bit of news first. Uh, this okay. week, there's, uh, as you said, there isn't a whole lot. There's a little. Uh, there's some, but there isn't, like, as much as there was last week. Um, it's true. My gossip is, my news is mostly gossip this week, I should say. <laughs> So that I guess it's, I guess it's just the gossip portion of the of the episode. So what do you got? Uh, okay, well, sorry, I just expanded your window so I could see you better, which was a really silly thing to do. <laughs> okay, um, first thing I don't want to linger on it too much is, of course, the Mandalorian has uh, yes. changed cast members yes, a yes, little yes. bit. Um, Gina Carano has been um, not replaced, but just it, it looks like we're not going to get Cara Dune back uh, in no. season three. Um, people are campaigning to get Lucy Lawless to replace uh, mm-hmm. Gina Carano in the role, but I think just knowing the entertainment industry even a little bit, I doubt Disney is going to start that. Just like a, do a full recast? Yeah, I don't think they're going to recast. I think we just won't see Cara Dune again. What do you think? I mean, they've done full recasting before, like they did recasting in Marvel. 
Uh, it's true, right? like but with, was that over a political thing? I can't remember. No, I don't actually know why they ended up recasting them. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, if they, I mean, I'm not going to be completely sad if they don't. Ha- I mean, well, I'd be. A, I think I'd be a little sad that they, if they don't have the character of Cara Dune, only because uh, I enjoyed that character so much because she was such a great example of, you know, just a really badass female character um however if season three is going to go in the direction that i think it is which is where uh din is going to join up uh and fight for mandalore then we're going to get some pretty solid female uh characters in there with um uh what's her name what's the name of the of the mandalorian princess that was after the oh gosh i always forget her name because i thought it was someone else Oh, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. Yes. yes. So I think we're going to get some solid uh, character stuff with Bo-Katan, which I'm super stoked mm-hmm. on because she is also super badass. Uh, so I'm not I'm not bummed because I think we'll still get some good female uh, character in season three. Um, mm-hmm. Now, as for Gina Carano herself, I think it's hilarious that like after she was fired. Uh, well, no, she because she wasn't technically fired. It was that, like... Uh, I think her contract wasn't renewed? Yeah, it was just basically her contract ended after the second season, and then Disney was just like, nope, we're not going to renew you. So I don't think that... Yeah, no thanks. I don't think that's technically firing. I think it's just... Yeah, I'm, it's making a statement, for sure. Yeah, I, but I think just, like, in terms of, like, uh, using specific terminology, it's not technically firing because she wasn't on the job at the time. It was just they I didn't agree. renew her contract. So. I agree. Um, I read on Reddit, and obviously Reddit's not reliable, but um, that Disney has very stringent social media clauses in mm-hmm. um, their contracts. And that yes, yes, yes. She was spoken to several times and then doubled down on it. So it's just, it's, it's really a shame because it's so easy not to be that terrible. Um, yeah, like, it's so easy. You just sh- keep your mouth shut. <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. We all make mistakes, but I I really think there's nothing more despicable than being proud about doing something you know that most of the population thinks is just cruel and nasty and mean. I just I yeah. don't have time. I don't have patience for that. No, I have I have zero sympathy. I have zero sympathy for her. Yeah. Uh, like I I saw a me like there's um a, there's a funny meme that was like. Uh, it's like two panels, one on top of the other. It, I can't. I don't know who the actor is, but he's like a he's um he's a comedic actor. But it's like him turning around and like shooting somebody in a, on a bag of garbage, and then he points back. And then the idea is that the person, the the person, like the the tag that was on the person who was shooting the person was Gina oh, Carano. How and it's just like shooting I, her career. Oh yeah, that's Eric Andre. He's really thank funny. you, Eric Andre. That's his name. Yes, I love him. He was in um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. He oh, says yeah. a lot of he's he's the meme of how could you say something so controversial yet so brave? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I like him a lot. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, and so like because like after like the day that it happened, there was a big like like cancel Disney Plus was was trending on Twitter. <laughs> you can't cancel Disney; they're bigger than all of us. They'll but it was funny. Everybody. <laughs> but it was funny because it's like part of it's like sure you want to try oh no like disney is gonna shake in their boots because you're not renewing your subscription to disney plus big deal but also um, (laughs) but 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 also these people are mad about the fact that uh people were 
not fully canceling Gina Carano, but we're basically kind of going down that road. And then they then then they them themselves want to cancel Disney Plus be- because they're mad about the canceling of another person. It's like it's okay, so cool, stupid. your hypocrisy is showing. Yeah, she's also <laughs> not canceled. Ben no, Shapiro she's not. Hired her. Lots of people like that guy. I don't understand why, but some people do. So she can go and spout her talking points to the echo chamber that she wants to and that's fine like i don't understand why people are upset about cancel culture boycotts have existed forever we just didn't always have the internet yeah it's also it's basically just another version of a boycott yeah and you're not canceled if you're still famous (laughs) like there will be people who listen to your shitty opinions there's six billion people in the world i don't oh man anyway so (laughs) no more cara dune maybe we'll get some new awesome female characters on um mandalorian season three and also every time a giant company like disney even though it's all business but that they're aligning themselves with ideal um ideologies that are leftist and inclusive i think is really positive for the world after we're gone Mm -hmm. and is ultimately just the the majority yeah really because like if if, i mean like if history has shown us anything it's people who people who are actively trying to move forward with new views and with what i guess some would consider leftist views finger Mm -hmm. air quotes uh generally are moving in the appropriate direction i mean like look at almost every other i guess like major civil rights movement that's ever happened in the past like going as far back as you know women's rights and then the civil rights movement and then the gay rights movement like mm-hmm. all of those things would have been considered were considered leftist ideals again yeah. using finger air quotes yeah <laughs> and now you know like that's just the way it is and now you know and i think right now it's uh what's a little more kind of in the zeitgeist is uh is trans rights mm-hmm. right and, and so good. like well yeah of course and so like you have people like gina carano who's like who's just being an ass and you know it's just not gonna just that that mindset is just not gonna last no well that's why they're so loud right they're screaming about having their status quo rocked and i understand that that's scary but that it stands to reason in a hundred years we'll all be dead and all that we can left leave is hopefully you know positivity and peace and inclusiveness so yay disney good for you and i mean it's the same thing with splash mountain people are Mm -hmm. screaming about that retheme and it's like i mean there's layers (laughs) and i I really believe in updating things in the park just like i i believe a lot in updating the jungle cruise even beyond the fact that i would like to be like not embarrassed um when riding a theme park ride Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) but also walt himself says disneyland is never finished and so i'm always eager to see um, rethemes of rides as long as they're thoughtful and, and awesome. Yeah, and like rethemes have been happening, you know, since the park opened. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not like it's anything new to do a retheme of a ride. I mean, like I know. the Incredicoaster was a re- was was a full retheme when they redid pe- when they redid P- Pixar Pier. Yeah. Right? So like, and uh, I'm just trying to think of another example of a retheme. I mean, there rethemes Pirates of the Caribbean. I wouldn't consider that a re. They didn't totally retheme it, but the they did change it. Fussed. Um, they did change it. And people got really upset, and then mm-hmm. they relaxed, and then they changed it to like reflect what people wanted. Small worlds, um, same thing. They Small in, world, um, yeah. put the Disney characters. Yeah, they added Disney the characters. Scenes, yeah, and people were very angry. Um, I I understand having a connection to nostalgia because my career in comedy is is based on commenting on 
uh, people's nostalgia and asking them to examine it. But mm-hmm. I also think, like, new things are really exciting. Yeah. And, like, Splash Mountain has been the way that it's been since it opened. Like, Yeah. And the ride itself isn't going to change. Like, it's not yeah. like they're rebuilding <laughs> the ride. They're just re-theming the ride. So you're still yeah. going to get the super fun flume stuff. You're still going to get the drops. You're still going to get the giant drop that gets you all wet and it's all fun and great. You know? Uh, yeah. But it's just, just going to better have... music. Yes, just better music. No, yeah. like that's... Um, yeah, fully. I, 100% I like better music. the music in Splash Mountain. I like it. I like what the Sherman Brothers um, create because I believe they're responsible for Zippity Doo. I think so, yes. Um, but... But, <laughs> um, but you can't it, compare to the soundtrack of Princess and the Frog. Exactly. And it even if something is a wonderful piece of art, and I think that the music in Splash Mountain and the music in Song of the South even is, Song of the South is too problematic to mm-hmm. base a ride on. And yeah. I, like, again, on the Disneyland subreddit, I see people being like, well, if you watch Song of the South, it's not racist. I'm like, literally a, a slave a former slave talking about the good old days and how it was nice and fun. It's bad propaganda. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like the the film Song of the South uh, is is very interesting because like I, I I did some research on it because I was I'm I'm genuinely interested in it because yeah. I I wanted to I want to really get into the bottom of the story of that movie right mm-hmm. and like I, I've never actually seen it because it's practically impossible <laughs> to find i do genuinely want to try and find it and i do want to actually sit down and give it a watch yeah uh, well, let's try and find it I, it I really do and then of course i want and i want to get some of our um uh, some of our afro-canadian friends to join us in a watch of it and see what they think of course yeah. um but from what i've gathered is that the <laughs> is that the cat like fucking with shit yeah it's the cat fucking with shit sorry <laughs> Um, the, the what my general thing that I seem to have gathered is that Walt knew about the stories about these stories, uh, because I think he w- the book was read to him when he was a child, and I think it w- it was very similar to how to why he wanted to do Peter Pan. It was exactly the same why he wanted to do Alice in Wonderland. These were stories that he fell in love with as a child, and he wanted to bring them to the big screen. And so his intention behind Song of the South was positive was meant to be uh very very early inclusion in having uh you know black people be the star of their of the movie and the star of their story and everything however i do think that the way he went about it most likely because of it was the product of the time was not the best way in that it was showing you know uh black people who in the movie are never uh from what i understand are never explicitly designated as slaves but yeah. are working on a plantation. And so yeah. it's like the it's exactly the same with Gone with the Wind. Yep. Right? Because Gone with the well, Wind also has African American workers on a plantation, but they're in the mindset there that everything is fine, everything is happy, everyone's, you know, everything's good. Like it's it's well, it's, it's, it's shedding a positive it, right? light. Yeah, exactly. It's shedding a positive light on something that inherently doesn't There's have nothing... a positive light. There's nothing positive about it. I mean, it's 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 really frustrating when yeah. people defend it now because I'm like, I can't speak for Walt Disney himself because he's not here. And, <laughs> but I feel like the the intention was to be inclusive and positive and mm-hmm. 
Walt Disney was a person who loved learning. And I really hope that if he'd lived longer, his uh, attitude would have evolved because I think at the time, like he was trying to have an evolved attitude and it was wrong. And there's stuff I want to talk about in Fantasia and in Dumbo and even in Pinocchio. But I think that the intention was to get to an inclusive socially forward place yeah because uh i remember when the movie first came out like when it was released in theaters uh in atlanta they weren't allowing black people to attend the screening of the film (laughs) because of because of racial segregation um and i think and like I i remember seeing something about how walt like was actually super uh was super close to the actor who played um uh what's his name uh the main storyteller in song of the south like the guy who's actually telling all oh, the stories of Br'er rabbit the actor uncle yeah. remus was yes, the thank character you. yes the actor who played uncle remus like walt was super close with him apparently right and so like the the, the general thing about it is you know seems to be an intent in positivity and yet the film itself was just by our standards is just incredibly problematic because mm-hmm. because of how it went about in telling the story itself mm-hmm. right um yeah no i agree with you it oh gosh it's hard to comment because i'm like my name is fairleth i'm the whitest irishest person yeah and um, i'm and i'm <laughs> I, i'm not in any way black so i can't also (laughs) say anything about it so yeah i i just i see all these things about the walt disney company trying to be inclusive and like failing to hit the mark but this is back Mm. in the 30s 40s 50s and yeah i i at least i i value the effort i just gosh what a different awesome world it would have been if they'd come up for the idea of Song of the South and been like, hey, let's hire an all-black writing team or something. Ah. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there's definitely ways that they could have, like, now, by today's standards, there's definitely ways that they could have done it better. But I think it was just, it's 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 what you said. It's like, it was a product of the time. It was in the early, mid-20th century when, quite frankly, racial diversity was not what it is today. It was not, you know... It's there were just there was just a lot of problematic stuff in media as a whole, like yeah. not even specifically within the Disney company, but just as a whole with across all other exactly. media companies. Like, yeah. Like, and so exactly. and so to immediately throw blame at the Disney company for this one movie, I think, is silly because you you can't because then you have to look at like look at the look at the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. That's another film oh, with like an no, like a really you. bad example. Like and then, yeah. as I mentioned before, Gone with the Wind is 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 a kind of running parallel. And I think the only reason why Gone with the Wind was uh, forgiven was because it gave uh, I, I say forgiven, but, you know, it was it was given more leeway was because of the fact that it was dealing with uh, uh, depictions of the Civil War itself. Right. And so uh, people were looking at it more as like, oh, this is more than just a story or talking about slaves and slavery and, and all that stuff. It's also about the civil war, which was, you know, an actual thing that happened. And so a lot of people were looking at it more as like an actual historical piece, sort of, uh, (laughs) rather than what song of the South is, which is just a series of stories, which is entirely fictional. 
Yeah. yeah, but also stories that were not, you know, the Disney companies to tell, which is part of it. Exactly, I mean, yeah. I think that's why Splash Mountain lingers as being something problematic because, like, the the stereotypes are directly based on black people telling black stories and they've been appropriated by white writers. That's it. Like, I... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not even that I don't enjoy Splash Mountain or the soundtrack for Splash Mountain. I'm just really eager to see something that is more inclusive. And, like, mm-hmm. again... I give Disneyland credit for mostly trying. Um, there's there are still some uh, stereotypical stuff mm-hmm. in in Disneyland. There are uh, three, and I'm doing air quotes because this is not a word I use. Indian figures um, in in Disneyland that I know of. One is an animatronic on the railway. One is in Frontierland. Oh, and the that's other one, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember, but um, yeah. when and I think they'll orig- eventually phase those out. But I think it's difficult when something is an antique for them. I think because yeah. uh, the well, cigar, the cigar store Indians are, are genuine antiques. So I'm not sure what they're going to do, but I think it will evolve. But the cool thing I wanted to bring up because we haven't even talked about Pinocchio yet. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know if you know this, but you probably do. When Disneyland first opened, um, Frontierland featured and again, anytime I use Indian. In, in the next minute, it is because that is the official trademark term that mm. Disneyland used. I use the word indigenous, and you should too. <laughs> so, uh, Frontierland used to have an Indian village on the shores of the rivers of America. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's still there. On opening day. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's um, You can still pass the teepees and stuff, and they're not actually vis- visible from the road of Frontierland, which is cool. Mm. You can just railway past them. Mm-hmm. But the really cool thing is um, Walt himself hired a... Um, Again, air quotes, full-blooded Indian chief. Yes, I think I've seen video footage of that, actually. Oh, I've never seen a video, but I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Chief Whitehorse. Mm-hmm. Um, he would take pictures with people. He would tell people about his life, about his culture. Um, but, of course, you know, white people built the uh, Indian burial ground uh, that was part of it. And yeah. there were, was yeah. an Indian trading post. and. Um, you could climb aboard one of the Indian war canoes, and then they do ceremonial dances, which is actually pretty cool. So it's, it was 1956. It wasn't. Yeah. It was again through a white lens, but the intention was to educate and bring yeah. people together. Um, yeah. I think that's admirable. At but... least, yeah. It, it was similar to when Walt uh, first introduced the Enchanted Tiki Room. Like he mm-hmm. also brought people who were like actual. Uh, Polynesian dancers and things like that, you know, like, yeah. so like it, there, there were instances where the attempt was there. Yeah. Right. Um, and I don't even know my point. Like, I'm not trying to be like, Hey, give him like lots of brownie points for hiring an Indian. <laughs> I just think it's an interesting fact that this man was attempting to be inclusive. Even yeah. when he failed because of his own um, biases. Yeah. This was a long time ago. Yes. This was lit. This is like 70 years ago. Holy um, God. Yeah, and so, yeah, because the thing we have to remember as well is the fact that Walt was a product of his time. He was, you know, he was born in the, at the turn of the century. You know, he grew up in the early, in the early 20th century. And so he grew up kind of, you know, with an air of culture around him. And I think he just tried to do his best to not subjugate, but to kind of shift the culture a little bit. Now, of course, by our standards, it was not nearly enough. But I think by the standards of what was happening at that time, I think it's still at least something. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the Disneyland map right now. I don't know. This is becoming a really weird discussion of cultural <laughs> appropriation. Yes. Um, and I'll move on, I promise. Um, but I'm looking at the old original Frontierland map while we're speaking. And um, it's a trip, Anwar. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh, boy. I'm not laughing because I find it humorous. But um, So Tom Sawyer Island, which is now Pirate's Lair, yep. um, which is, again, another step towards inclusion within the theme park. Good for them. Um, used to have a Fort Wilderness on it. Um, and then there's a bunch of teepees and the label is Unfriendly Indians. Then there's a burial ground, a Settler's Burning Cabin, which I believe is still there. Um, this is all in the top half. So the top half used to be the Indians. The bottom half was Tom and Huck. And then across uh, from the Rivers of America where New Orleans Square is now, there used to be... The Indian store, the Indian snack bar, the Indian war canoes, the Indian village, the fire dance circle, and then the Columbia sailing ship is going past just for flavor. Is that where is that where the stage is now for Fantasmic? Uh, no. Um, it's hard for me to say because this is like a screenshot, but oh. um, it was uh where Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion uh are kind of now like a bear country and um. Oh. Yeah, Critter, Critter Country is where the Indian Village is. Was. Okay, gotcha, 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 yeah. Sorry, this is a tangent. I didn't know any of this before I started looking at this <laughs> That's okay. giant That's okay. map. Um, but I think it's interesting, and I think it was a good choice to take it out. But I also yes. think in 1955, like, good for them for having a real chief that people could talk to and meet and talk to. Yeah, and, I, I and actually learn directly from, the sor- directly from the source. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, here's a little information about him. Disneyland's Chief White Horse, uh, a.k.a. Truman Washington Daly, who was born in 1898 and died in 1996, was, wow. and this is quoting from the article, not just someone who looked the part. As the last fluent speaker of the Oto-Missouria language, he did much to preserve and pass along his knowledge, history, traditions, and language. He is the subject of a doctoral dissertation and a Wikipedia entry. And then it says, there were also elements that would not pass muster today. The restrooms were labeled, quote, Braves and Squaws. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, setting out in an Indian war canoe as a war party must have sounded better in 1956 than it does today. And then there's the issue of a theme park putting full-blooded Indians, again, air quotes, on display. Mm. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. I think the intention is clear. The... It's just, execution. The execution was terrible, and if you don't allow people to tell their own stories, that's what you get. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't really have any other uh, news about uh, the Disney resorts themselves, except that they don't expect to open anytime soon. May is the earliest rumor I've heard, but they're saying mask-free park going won't be available until 2022, probably. Yeah, I remember seeing that article as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not mad about fine. it. I'm not mad about it either. I don't want to go. Like, it's it's been really weird because I, I follow a lot of um, Disney lifestyle vloggers because mm-hmm. I've never, there's no point in me buying an annual pass. Not that I could <laughs> now anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, a lot of them are going to Disney World because they don't really, it's their main source of income is, is reporting on yeah. Disneyland trips. And um, so I've been seeing a little bit of, of what Disney World is like right now because Disneyland's mm-hmm. not allowed to open. And God, it looks fun, Anwar. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, I know. I'm not. I'm not going to sneak over there to go to Florida, but again, 
no lines, no one around you. It's pretty no crazy. One, no one can breathe on you, which I don't want which anytime. Is, which just in and of itself sounds great. You're right. Yeah. I remember seeing a video of a, I was watching one of these vlogs actually. Uh, and the person was like, oh, uh, hey, why don't we go? Uh, let's go to Pirates of the Caribbean. Why not? And so they went to Pirates and they're like, oh, cool. It's like a 10 minute, 10 minute line wait or whatever. Yeah. And that first off, a 10 minute line wait for Pirates of the Caribbean in and of itself is bonkers. I know. Secondly, they walked in and then they just kept going through the queue. I know. And then it was like, oh, oh, okay. Now we're here. And then they just got on the ride. And I was like, I know. Oh, okay. Well, that's just a dream. I know. <laughs> I've had that happen one time. And that's when I stayed like three days after um, school went back in in January. Mm. Oh, and so the and- place was super dead. Oh, it was glorious. It was yeah. so good. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, if Disneyland does start this new reservation system that um, people are rumbling about, mm-hmm. then maybe the lines will be a little shorter and they will be more concerned about crowd control. Who knows? Yeah, because anyway. I, I feel like that's probably the biggest thing that the parks in general kind of have to deal with is just crowd control. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, my probably my only real bit of news, because, again, this is kind of a fairly quiet week in terms of news uh is uh it seems i i saw kind of like a little bit of rumbling around that uh uh that phil collins may actually be finally getting some of the recognition that he deserves for the tarzan soundtrack no because, wait tell me more oh just like people are just talking about how how fucking bomb ass the <laughs> soundtrack to tarzan is it's true. It's yeah. it's funny. It's such a bomb ass soundtrack that they made a Broadway musical of Tarzan. Have you ever seen footage of it? No, but I've listened to some of the sound to the songs of the soundtrack, and I'm oh boy, f- firmly underwhelmed. I lived a uh, fun fact about me that's a little bit braggy. I lived in New York while Tarzan was on Broadway, and um, <laughs> that's called a humble the, brag, sweetie. Oh no, the humble <laughs> brag is coming up. That's oh, okay. That's just the context for it. Um, <laughs> So I saw Tarzan several times on Broadway because my singing teacher, Ivan Rutherford, uh, his son played young Tarzan, Alex Rutherford, and I hung out with him uh, a lot as uh, my partner at the time was doing a production of Les Mis with Ivan, and so I would uh, keep Alex, his son, company and take him to ice cream and stuff because I was just hanging out and we got to know each other and... Um, I saw Tarzan several times, and uh, it was really cool, actually, because Alex would come home, and, like, Ivan would tell me this, and he'd be like, oh, my God, Phil Collins, um, or just, hey, Phil made this tape of my song, and Ivan would be like, oh, my God, and take this (laughs) Phil Collins cassette tape from him. Um, All this to say, Tarzan as a Broadway musical is very bad. Mm. It didn't (laughs) last very long. No, because it's terrible. The production design was ugly. (laughs) Um Honestly, it's mostly that. The production design was really ugly. Um, it's really worth YouTubing. The whole set was, oh, it's hard to even explain. From floor to ceiling in a Broadway house, rubber creeper vines. Ew. That were salt. Like, there were so many that it was like a wall. You're, you'll have to look at it. There's this part where Jane gets caught by a spider, and, like, the spider is a, a web is a scrim on the whole stage. And then, But the really cool thing, the only really cool thing about it was the staging of the wreck at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. the parents were on, like, um, harnesses, and so they'd walk down the beach, but the beach was a scrim, so they'd be actually walking, like, in midair down. It, ugh. Oh, really worth, cool. Yeah. Kind of like how they make aerials kind of swim yes on sim- harna- on similar similar oh, that's but cool. yeah walking so you could see um like the ground like the ground was a map and the map was 
on on the whole stage, and then they were walking on the map kind of thing. Oh, that's pretty rad. I'll try to remember to post a YouTube link in yeah. <laughs> Instagram. Um, sorry, I'm really tangential today. I'm just really happy to see you. Aw, I'm happy to see you. No, cause you. It, it's fine because like it's fine if we jump like jump around in tangents and stuff. Just because like again, like it's it's a pretty quiet week in uh, in terms of news. Uh, True. We have half an hour left. Yes. Uh, so now we can finally move on to Pinocchio. <laughs> so Pinocchio itself, the movie is, uh, as I'm sure a few of you know, is based on this Italian uh, uh, Italian folk kind of folktale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was originally written by the Italian author uh, Carlo uh, Collodi, I think it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Collodi. Uh, it was originally published in some magazines in the late 1800s. Uh, and of course it's been wildly published and adapted because it just kind of took off. Um, fun. Uh, the funny thing is, is, um, I've traveled to Italy quite a few times, uh, for choir trips. Uh, that's my humble brag of the episode. Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that is so very consistent within a lot of like the little trinket shops is puppets of Pinocchio. So like oh. it's yeah like he's he's kind of scattered like all over Italy. It's very very interesting, uh, and like the, the little and they're generally like little wooden marionette puppets. Uh, he looks very similar to. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what, like trying to compare to what he looks like, but uh, there was a there was an Italian version of Pinocchio that was done like some 10, 15 years ago by like an Italian guy who played Pinocchio himself. And he's got like a pointed hat. Uh, that's generally kind of how he looks like. He looks like a marionette puppet just with point with a pointy hat. Uh, awesome. But yeah, but like the description seems to be very consistent across all of these, uh, all of the various uh, little toys that are sold in these stores. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, it was very, very cool just to kind of see Pinocchio just kind of everywhere. I like that. He deserves it. He had a hard time. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so um, now I mentioned last week that uh, this movie is cool because it has a it has such a beautiful example of the use of the multiplane camera, which was, of course, yes. one of the major innovations that the Walt Disney Company created. I can vouch. Uh, yeah. When we were watching this movie, you got really excited about it. It's just so cool. <laughs> it is. Like it's so cool. And Go like off. It it's like the the see it's after like it, the the main part, the one that really stands out in my head is when uh it's this is after we've already met Pinocchio, he's already been transformed by the blue fairy. Uh for the re- if any of you have never seen Pinocchio, I don't know what you're doing. You should Stop this episode and watch this movie. A lonely uh, old bachelor creates a wooden marionette, and he's so lonely that he wishes on a star that it will come to life and be a real boy. Well, the blue yes. fairy turns him into a sentient puppet, but not a real boy, and he has to achieve real boyness by doing selfless moral acts. That's, yeah, that's basically the synopsis of Pinocchio. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's after, so it's after Pinocchio is... Uh, he, it's after he's been given life. Uh, Geppetto is taking him to, or is going to send him off to school and everything. So it's like this beautiful day in like this quaint little Italian town. And the camera is kind of panning through a bunch of 
like these arches and houses and alleyways and everything and it zooms in and zooms in it just keeps going and going and going and going and you're watching and you're like this is insane how the it, it the depiction of the 3d is just so bonkers yeah. you just have to remember it's all done by hand yeah like it's like if you've ever if if any of you have ever seen a, a picture of what the multiplane camera thing looks like the thing is like what like 10 20 feet tall with like a bunch of like glass uh screens inside it there's like about four or five glass screens inside it that are all painted uh hand painted uh to depict the scenes and then a camera on top and it just kind of zooms through them like it just just will just go down through them and they remove the screens as the camera goes until it finally hits the, the main cell where the where the animation is going and it's just just that idea that concept is just so bonkers to me yeah. because like now because of course now we have the we can create 3d visuals through different means yeah. you know through cg and all this other stuff but to think that they were able to accomplish what they did just through practical effects and through a practical through the technology that they had at the time which was just something as easy as let's just have it pass through a bunch of windows yeah. it's like it, it just blows my mind i love it well it's like i'm always saying on this podcast like the thing that fascinates me about disney is the innovation like every every project um aside from i'd say like you know the Sweet Life and Zach of Cody movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're tr- they they try to do something new um, yeah. and 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 sensational and like they do on their main projects. Their their benchmark, like this is a major Disney event project. It's always something insane that they've created that is just a, a fresh take on on the medium, and it's wild to me. Yep. Um. What else do I have? Um. I have uh, some. I do have some notes here, actually. Uh, of course, we have the introduction of the ever infamous song "When You Wish Upon a Star," oh, yeah. which just kind of became like the theme song of Disney. Yeah, like well, it's perfect. Who wrote that? Was that Sherman Brothers too? I don't actually know. I'm finding out right now. Keep talking. Uh, but yeah, so it's of course sung by Jiminy Cricket. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, it just kind of took off. Like that was just the song that became associated with it. They started using it at the uh, at the parks. They started using it at the beginnings of like all the movies when they had like the little uh, in some of the, the older castle. yeah in some of the older Disney films when they would have like the blue screen and it was uh, the silhouette of the castle. I love the blue screen. Yeah. They still do it with the CGI castle, though. It's still when you wish upon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it's much more like uh, orchestra. Uh, sweeping. Yes, it's much <laughs> more sweeping. Yeah. Yes. All right. When you wish upon a star is a song written by Lee Harline uh-huh. and Ned Washington. There we go. Yep. Yes, because I don't uh, think the Sherman. I don't think the Sherman Brothers came in until shortly before uh, Mary Poppins, because they. I think they were working already at the Disney Company before Mary Poppins. They were. They were. I know. I'm not sure exactly when they came in, but like uh, Mary Poppins was a project given to them that then even got sidelined for like a while before they got to work on it. So I oh, think like yes. Yes. Um, Big Bright Beautiful Tomorrow and stuff came before that. I could yes, be wrong. Big Bright Beautiful Tomorrow is from the ride. Um, Should I tell you? Uh, hold on. Hold on. I know it. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I know it. It's uh, it's an Epcot. It's not. In, it's not an Epcot. Yes, it is. It is an. It is an Epcot. It is the Carousel of Progress. 
Yes. Yes, I got it. Ha ha. Oh, now I'm doubting that the Carousel of Progress is an Epcot, but I think it is. I think it is too, yeah. Progress. Epcot? I think it's the big ball. Uh, that is Spaceship Earth. No, the Spaceship Earth. Fuck. Um, it is... Uh, oh, it is not an Epcot. Oh, I'm going to eat all my words. I'm so sorry. I have never been to Florida. Oh, we're both but, wrong. Yeah, Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress is a rotating theater, audio-animatronic stage show attraction that is located in Tomorrowland at the Magic Kingdom theme park at the Walt Disney World Resort in Bay Lake, Florida, just outside of Orlando. Oh, uh, that makes more sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never <laughs> been to Florida. I'd really like to go. It's just much farther for me than California. It's much more difficult. Yeah, honestly... I've been to Disneyland Paris before, and it, it, I, I got to go to Florida. Let's go to Florida. Yeah. I, there's, there's a lot of friends <laughs> I need to see in Florida. Uh, uh, cost-wise, Pinocchio is actually much more expensive than Snow White. And much more expensive than they expected. Yes. Again, you know, Walt asking Roy for more money. <laughs> it's uh, for the art, Roy. The art. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, though, Pinocchio would fall short. Uh of uh, of its initial budget, which I think was about a m- 1.5 million. Let me tell uh, you, uh, the original budget of Pinocchio was actually five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> then what? Really? It cost two million dollars to make. There it is. Yes, yes, yes. It cost two million dollars <laughs> to make, and they made yeah, and they did not make a lot of money, and so all the money like took a lot of time to recuperate. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they're in good company. I read last week, this is not a Disney fact, but Sweeney Todd took like 20 years after its Broadway premiere to recoup. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. I love Sweeney Todd. Me too. Sweeney Todd's great. Uh, Now, what other things we got here? Um, I got, well, I've got something I researched. It's it's not a fact, but um, one thing I've been really eager to uh, sort of explore as a white person consuming this media, some of it for the first time and some of it for the first time since I was a child because uh-huh. the golden age has just not been my focus. Yeah. I really want to look at it with an eye to what must people of different cultures been feeling when they watched it. So um, I did some research about the character of Stromboli. Ooh, yes. Because Stromboli, Stromboli is an interesting thing because uh, I think we were talking about this with our, with our friend Shara in that uh, they made a good point of saying that the character with an accent I- in general tends to be the villain. Uh, and it's a real shame because I think Geppetto does have an accent, but it's a very soft accent. Yes. Whereas uh, Stromboli's is a very hard accent. And the thing about it is that his accent and even like when he goes off, because like he'll get mad and then he'll start supposedly spouting random things in Italian, which I yeah. don't think he actually says. I think it's literally just some guy just like sputtering gibberish. Oh, um, I don't actually know. Well, I mean, like, like I, I, I've tried, I tried to hear it, and like, I, I like to think I have an ear for Italian because I'm because Spanish is my second language, and Italian and Spanish are very, very close in in parallel. But like, it's just so it's, it, I, I, I don't know. To me, it just sounds like gibberish. Like, it just sounds like he's just saying a bunch of random sounds and words. It's possible. I just genuinely can't remember. Yeah. Um, well, Pinocchio, you know, it's an Italian story, and I think it's worth looking at the way the character of Geppetto is drawn and the way uh-huh. the character of Stromboli is drawn. Um, ah, yes. You know, because they're both Italian dudes, and um, I wouldn't say that Italian people are uh, currently a subjugated people, um, but at the time... Uh, people did look down on Italian people a lot. So I think it's yeah. worth saying, like, um, 
there there are different articles on online saying this is a Jewish stereotype, but I, I don't believe it is. While I don't want to suggest someone's lived experience is incorrect, Stromboli um, looks very much to me like a shitty Italian stereotype, not a shitty Jewish stereotype. Yeah, that's, his that's what name's I got Stromboli. As well. Yeah, his name is Stromboli. He lives in Italy. Like, I think it's offensive, but I don't think it is um, uh, anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah, just, and also just because of how he speaks and uh, and his verbiage is also, you know, not generally associated with that of, uh, of Jewish people. Yeah. I would probably, I, 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 w- I would more closely compare him to kind of an Italian version of a Romani person mm-hmm. because he he's is, got his caravan. He's got his caravan. He's got his traveling show that he does and everything. So I would, I would more, I would feel, I say feel better, but I would probably more closely equate him to, uh, a depiction of, uh, what would have been considered quote unquote, a gypsy, yeah. uh, uh, using that out the outdated term. Yeah. Um, but definitely like, I didn't get any Jewish vibes from yeah. the character at all. Me neither. I just wanted to touch on that. Like, um, they do code their villains, um, to be queer or a racial stereotype or whatever, but like yeah. we should explore what they're stereotyping and, and why, and uh, then we can learn from it. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing about Stromboli is I feel like this is a middle-aged man living by himself, putting on a puppet show who thinks he has a demon in a bird cage and he's just <laughs> trying to make a living. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's uh, it. <laughs> uh, I wasn't able to really find a whole lot in comparison from because i was trying to also find some of the uh like the actual original story of pinocchio and try and compare it um some of the major uh things that were translated from the story to uh the film was the fact that when he lies his nose grows yeah Uh, that i think is a big um a big big thing apparently he steals uh, Geppetto's wig because he, of course, doesn't have hair. <laughs> Geppetto has a wig. That's very funny. Well, I don't know if it's that Geppetto had a wig, but I think it's just he found one of maybe one of his wigs and just took it. Um, I have some fun facts if you are ready for them. Go for it. Okay, well, the lady who played the Blue Fairy, Evelyn Venables, she actually left her career in Hollywood. She found Hollywood to be uh, dissatisfying. She went to go be a mother. She thought that being an actor was not compatible with that which mm-hmm. i worry about myself honestly so but uh the fun thing about evelyn venables is uh they did rotoscope over her performance specifically so you are seeing her performance as the blue fairy but also she was the original model for the columbia pictures logo oh the uh the, um, the lady that the holds torch. up the yeah oh that's cool yeah the original one she's been replaced since i believe but i uh, pretty cool Try and find a picture of that, too. I'll have to listen back to all the things I promised to find pictures of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, gosh, what else? Oh, yeah. Figaro the kitten was Walt Disney's favorite character. Oh, so, that's cute. Um, he pushed for the kitten to appear in the film as much as possible, which, in my opinion, is a really good decision because I love Figaro. And Speaking actually, well, friend Shada, they do, too. Yeah, well, Figaro also went on to kind of take on a life of her own as well. Like, she became fairly popular as well. I remember... Uh, at one point uh, after Pluto was established as Mickey's dog, Figaro mm-hmm. was established as Minnie's cat. Yeah. And Minnie used to have a dog, actually. They replaced him. 
I didn't even know Minnie had a dog. I just looked this up. Oh. But uh, she had a little cocker spaniel, and they <laughs> recast him with Figaro. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I really like Cleo as well. Both of Geppetto's pets, A+. Plus. Um, so Something interesting I found is that the actor who played Geppetto, Christian Rubb, had mm-hmm. some very uh, controversial views that might have him storming the Capitol today, like some bad stuff. And Uh-oh. I don't want to get into it. We've already talked about a lot of offensive stuff. But anyway, <laughs> um, a lot of artists are very, very uh, leftist. I am. So uh, when he was having to... Uh, get sloshed around by the boat they put him in a boat and then all the grips rocked the boat and gave him a really bad time because they didn't like the political stuff he was saying during oh the wow election. yeah so they uh, they made him purposely seasick <laughs> good for them <laughs> all um right, well, there you go another thing i i thought was interesting you know ward kimball uh-huh legendary disney animator um his first assignment as an animation director was jiminy cricket so he designed Jiminy to look like a real cricket, and he looked like a horrible alien. So, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so Walt said no, and um, kept making him less crickety until he's just a little green man in a suit. That's adorable. So funny. Um, but Ward Kimball never was happy with the compromises in uh, Jiminy Cricket's design. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't tell he's a cricket. You only know he's a cricket because the other characters say he is. And he didn't feel like it was the best art mm. that he well, could he, have done. He hops a lot. He does. He jumps so around, which, which kind of gives, which kind of gives, uh, I guess, some telling that he is a cricket. I suppose. Well, I hop around. You hop around. You a cricket? No, that's fair. Are you a cricket? <laughs> Not that I. Last, <laughs> last time I checked, I wasn't. Uh, so I was able to, so here's, uh, so there's so much like in terms of um, the difference between the story of Pinocchio and what was put in the film. And that's mainly because the stories of Pinocchio, as I mentioned earlier, were published in a magazine. And so there's, there's just a lot of story there. Like there's a bunch of characters that were never introduced. Like, for example, the fact that, um, that Pinocchio was never actually given life by the Blue Fairy. Uh, he was apparently sentient from the beginning. Like in the in the original story, apparently uh, uh, there was a carpenter named Master Antonio, or apparently known as Master Cherry. Not too sure why, uh, but he finds a log uh, and he wants to carve that log for his table for a, uh, to be a leg for his table. And then he finds out that the log is actually sentient, oh. and so he decides Weird. to yeah, and so he decides to give it to his neighbor Geppetto. Uh, who Geppetto wants to uh, make his living as a puppeteer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he carves Pinocchio out of the log. And uh, it isn't until later that he discovers that it's in fact sentient because like, as he's like carving the nose, uh, the nose begins to grow. Apparently after he finishes one of the legs, uh, Pinocchio starts to kick him for some reason. Uh, The original story of Pinocchio seems to have the character as being much more, of a trickster or like an imp kind of character uh, as opposed to what we know in the film, which is, you know, this very naive child like character. And yeah. And so like, but apparently uh, he uh, Pinocchio ends up like running away from Geppetto at some point. And then Geppetto gets arrested because people assume that Pinocchio is being mistreated by Geppetto. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. Honestly, 
as a as a I'm I'm a playwright and it it just sounds like they're suffering from thinking that the story needs more ideas and simply like when it's simple, it's better. Yeah. And like, cause like there's, there's so much going on. Like he, he doesn't meet Jiminy until like after he comes back, uh, uh, to get something to eat. And then like, he tries to make, he tries to make an egg and then fails. And so he goes to like from house to house to try and ask for food. But, but the people think he's like a hooligan. And so they shoo him away. Um, then he like, then he finds, um, the puppet master named Manjafuko, which is apparently the who I guess Stromboli is supposed to be based off of. Uh and like yeah, like there's a bunch of stuff here. Like the the fox and the cat characters end up Oh, Honest John and Honest John and uh Gideon like, remember, and Gideon? the cat. I don't know. Gideon, something uh, like that. Uh, uh, but uh like this Oh character, Gideon, yeah. But like these characters apparently uh end up stringing him up on a tree. For whatever reason. What? Yeah, like they just string him up onto a tree. Like, does he live? No, well, of course he lives. But like they just tie him up and they, <laughs> but they like tie him up, uh, they bind him and then they just have him hanging from a tree. It's very okay. like there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot. But again, I think this is partly because of uh, the fact that the original story was told over so much. And yeah. then I think when Walt took the story, it was like, we're just going to take these small, small bits and just use these. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. honestly, it was still trying to showcase the animation. I think that what he ended up doing was very wise. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing I I just actually found out was, um, you know, Stromboli's Caravan? Yes. It was apparently a model they filmed, and then they painted over it on the cells. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, we apparently like they did it again for 101 Dalmatians. I had no idea. I think that's very oh, interesting. Oh, yes. I remember, yes, I remember reading something about how the animation style for 101 Dalmatians is incredibly unique. Uh, and it was like, it's like, what is it? Um, yes, yes, yes. It's exactly that. They they built models. Like, for example, they built a model of Cruella's car. And like in the scene where they have it drive down the hill and it runs into the snowbank, they filmed that and then they drew over it exactly like you said. And yeah. it looks amazing. It looks super cool. But yeah, like there's a, like I remember seeing actual like footage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, of that very thing happening, which is very, very cool. I'm going to try and look it up. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to touch on Geppetto. Have you ever seen Geppetto? No, I haven't. And I realize I should have to prepare for this, but I super dropped the ball. I have straight up seen Geppetto at least 30 times, so I can talk about it. Okay, <laughs> I, yes. I filmed it off the television in the year 2000. Go for it then. Uh, okay. Apparently Geppetto is like, it's 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 not a, you say it's a sequel to the Pinocchio story? No, it it, it happens, it's, it's, it's from Geppetto's perspective. It's like Wicked. Oh, that's right. And it, I got telling you this, it's just going to sound more and more insane, but okay. So Stephen Schwartz wrote all the music. He wrote Wicked and Pippin. He's a Broadway legend. Yep. And all the music is amazing, first of all. The music is amazing. I will not hear that it isn't. It's solid contemporary musical theater tunes. Drew Carey, great singer. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, good singer. I, <laughs> Usher, he's good. He's in it. That's random. It, it's the best part. The part with Usher. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but he's the guy who runs Pleasure Island. Oh. And the Pleasure Island song is amazing. Oh, <laughs> um, Who else is in it? Wayne Brady's in it. Uh, That's of course. funny. 
Oh, and this is what I was thinking of. Uh, they have Stromboli, and uh, he's less stereotypical because you'll never guess who they cast as Stromboli. Oh, Try and guess. No. Give me three guesses. Um. Okay. You, when did you say this was made? Two thousand. Two thousand. All right. Let me think. Uh, two thousand. I mean, I'm just tormenting was, you because you'll never guess. <laughs> who was big in two thousand? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Timberlake? I don't know. No, it wasn't Timberlake. It wasn't Timberlake. It was Brent Spiner, a.k.a. Data from Star Trek. Brent Spiner? Yeah. Brent Spiner. He's a musical theater dude. No, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the Stromboli song is amazing and goes into his motivations. Ah, giving motivation to the bad guy. Awesome. Yeah, and he has this little puppet that he carries with him that he argues with that is, it's basically like Smeagol and Gollum. That's adorable. It's great. It's great. But they've given Stromboli this patter song about how he wants to be a famous puppeteer and how he keeps getting rejected and all this stuff. And <laughs> he's packing up all his puppets and making them sing background. Like, it's really worth watching. I know it's a kid's movie. I don't care. I like kids' movies. Um, but I mean, like, it? if it's, if it, like, if the songs themselves were written by Stephen Schwartz, that's in and of itself is already enough for oh, me to, like, it. Oh, it's so it. good. So, like, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is the blue fairy, and Geppetto finds her, and he's like, I don't like this kid. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't do anything I wanted. You messed up the magic. And she's like, nope, you messed up parenting. <laughs> <laughs> and then she sings him a song about how magic won't fix him, his problems. And her boobs are, like, up to her chin. Oh my gosh, I love Renee! It. Um, oh, I can never pronounce his Zellweger? last name. Uh, no, uh, Renee Abergenois. Uh, he uh. was—he's a famous Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, so, Geppetto's from the town of Villaggio, uh-huh. and Professor Buon Ragazzo, aka Renee Abergenois, is from the town of Idelia, where he makes in his machine perfect ideal children who never disobey their parents. And he offers to sell some of these children to Geppetto, and he keeps making samples for him, and they're, like, sentient children who are perfect, running around, freaking him out. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. This movie is incredible. <laughs> this movie sounds bonkers. It's so good. I love it. And, um, yeah, the whole thing is, like, he wants Pinocchio to grow up to be a toy maker. And Pinocchio's like, no, I want to be all these other things. And and it, the lesson is Geppetto needs to learn that you can't control your kids. <laughs> well, then. Well, I mean, like, that's yeah. not a bad lesson. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think it's great. It's it's in a one-hour made for the ABC Sunday night wonderful uh-huh. world of Disney. I recommend it wholeheartedly. That's great. You say Did you say it was on YouTube? I'm sure it is. Let's find out. Because I think you told me once that it was on YouTube. It used to be. I I really like my VHS because it has all the commercials. <laughs> uh, Geppetto Drew Carey full movie. The YouTube doesn't even know what I'm trying to find. It is an hour and 24 minutes, and it is on YouTube. All right. What I'm gonna do then is I'm gonna I'm gonna post a, I'm gonna post the link then to to the thing in the show notes. Fabulous. Just, to, just to add to it, because I, you're right. I feel like that that sounds very ridiculous and bonkers, but I feel like it would be a hell of a great watch, it's especially really because fun. you, like you said, like the fact that you, the fact that it has Stephen Schwartz doing the songs is, oh yeah, just great to me because I've I'm very rarely disappointed with anything Stephen Schwartz has made. There's there's nothing to be disappointed about in this. Like even the ballads, and I am a fast forwarder of ballads because of my short attention span. It's all solid. Amazing. I love it. Um, 
Yeah. Way to go, Stephen Schwartz. <laughs> I know that was a bit of a digression, but it is a Disney movie, and it is directly based on uh, the film of Pinocchio. So mm, okay, so like it shows like how Geppetto got into uh, Monster's Mouth and everything. Um, yeah, it it oh. it starts um, before uh, like as he's finishing Pinocchio, and uh, how much and it, it explores how much he loves his toy shop because he gets to spend time with kids, and he never married, so he can't have a child of his own, and mm-hmm. it's, it's all he gets. And he also like there's this layer of it where all the parents like he thinks he'd be a better parent than all the parents that come into his toy shop and stuff. It's just it's it's interesting to me, especially now that I'm an adult. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, but I mean, it is a bit of a digression from the animation we were talking about. It's just like, Pinocchio is a beautiful movie, and I will watch it again all the time. (laughs) Uh, What else about Pinocchio? Um, So I feel like the film itself was trying really hard to... to sort out... not... no, not sort out, was... was, was, was a way for trying to give certain moral values because i feel like they were trying to do that through teaching pinocchio certain things Mm -hmm. so like it's very funny because like one of the things that he tries to do he's like i want to go be an actor uh (laughs) and it's like uh because that's what that's one of the things that um honest john uh is trying to convince him to do because he (laughs) because he knows that uh he that he can make money off of him from stromboli but it's just very it's just very funny as you know as you and i are performers you know because watching these characters watching talk these... about degenerate actors yeah but also just like pinocchio being like i'm gonna be an actor and it's gonna be great and blah 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 and we're and you and i and you and i are just in there we're like no. i mean we're right there with jiminy cricket he's clutching his pearls pretty hard yeah exactly it's just like oh i mean it's not that easy but okay it's no. just very, it was just very very funny uh and then like the you know just don't wander off with strangers it's a good moral to be honest it's a it's a very it's just a very simple thing just if if somebody's trying to lure you with thoughts of fame and fortune don't go with them because chances are it'll lead down some bad roads (laughs) can yeah (laughs) oh boy i mean you're right I don't, I, it's just such a, honestly, the thing I love most about Pinocchio, because again, there's the only female characters are the Blue Fairy and Cleo. Um, yeah. But I love the female characters in Pinocchio. I love Cleo. I want to be just like her. I love the Blue Fairy. I want to be just like her. I wish they had a conversation so it passed the Bechdel test, but overall I think they have two really awesome female characters for 1940 in this movie. Yeah. And like the Blue Fairy, just like her whole depiction is also just really, really nice because... It's very, she's simple yet elegant, uh, yeah. and is just very nice. Yeah. I think it's she's, just the word. She feels warm. Yeah, yeah. Like you know that there's a kind of warmth and kindness there. Yeah, which and I she think sense, is nice. she has a sense of humor. Like yeah, um, absolutely. She, she calls <laughs> she calls Jiminy Sir Jiminy. She gives him his little medal and his everything, ma- his badge and everything. Yeah, it's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> like in in the in the thing when. Pinocchio is just straight up lying to her face. It's just like, it's like Pinocchio, what's like, happening oh. to your nose? Like, like, oh no, are you lying to me? And it's just like, it's just so. And he's funny. like, no, and she's like, no. no. Well, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Another thing, I was um I wanted to talk a bit about the Main Street Electrical Parade in reference to Pinocchio. Okay. Um, 
I feel like, uh, you know, I'm really passionate about the Disney parks and how they represent the films. Yes. And um, there is no Blue Fairy face character. There's no Blue Fairy anything in the parks anymore. So I was going to, you know, get a video of the Main Street Electrical Parade, but they replaced her. Oh, wow. Did you know that? So they just fully just were like, nope. Nope. Yeah. Um, oh, that's really so sad, actually. Those of, those of you who don't know, like, uh, the Main Street Electrical Parade uh, closed for the first time in 1996, and then they um, refurbed it a bunch. And I used to have a professionally made D, uh, DVD, VHS, of mm. the original Main Street Electrical Parade. I watch it all the time. And um, the first float is the Blue Fairy in a gigantic blue dress made of lights, and she's on the top with her wings. So they replaced her with freaking Tinkerbell. Oh, <laughs> uh, well... I like Tinkerbell, but I have, I like Tinkerbell, original Tinkerbell. Oh, or, original, like, uh, super sassy. Yeah, as opposed to Pixie Hollow Tinkerbell. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I feel the same way about Pixie Hollow Tinkerbell that I feel about Abby Cadabby on Sesame Street. And I mean, I'll touch on this in the Peter Pan episode. I have serious reservations about turning sassy female characters into cute vanilla characters. I see. Yeah. Just kind of like removing a bit of the character that makes her her. Yeah. Well, it's like they they took her look and changed her personality completely. Um, But it's like she was popular because of this. It's it. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Feelings. Yeah. We'll touch on that when we get when we eventually hit Peter Pan. Um, One of the things that uh, that I found very interesting about the Pinocchio movie is uh, jumping forward to when he's lured to Pleasure Island. Mm. Uh, the whole sequence when he's like shooting pool with his with uh, Lampwick, uh, that whole sequence when they're all t- transforming into donkeys has kind of is part is first of all very like a very literal way of telling kids like don't do these things or you will just act like a jackass which i think is hilarious yeah um, just, be an ass yeah but I, I am i correct in remembering that the donkey changing sequence launched a thousand fetishes uh yes and no in that uh, in that i feel like the the concept of uh what is known as the transformation fetish uh has always kind of been there but i think uh many people uh will have la- those who have the tf fetish uh have latched onto that specific scene because it is such a visual and yeah. such a uh yeah it's such a visual part of that thing similar to how robin hood launched a bunch of furries uh, look, like... look, if you're attracted to Robin Hood, <laughs> you're not a furry. Like, it's fine. Robin Hood transcends furrydom, humanness. He is literally just the sexiest character of all time. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, like, being attracted to Robin Hood doesn't necessarily make you a furry. It makes you normal with good taste. <laughs> I mean, fair, but it's it's <laughs> it's similar. It's similar to that, like, because I know a bunch of friends of mine, like, and this happened. This became very apparent after the movie Zootopia came out. Uh, a bunch of my friends who who do identify as furries and are furries and are into that whole and uh, into that whole thing uh, were all like talking about how their introduction into like furry fandom and furry art and everything was through Robin Hood, whereas a lot of our generation 
uh, I guess was kind of introduced to it through Zootopia because Zootopia is very similar. It, yeah, in that I guess aspect. so. I, I don't know. I like Robin Hood's personality better. I feel like if you're into both foxes, you're a furry. But if you're into only one fox, <laughs> then we should like explore that. <laughs> I mean, you if if that's if that's what you need to tell yourself to justify then that's fine well now like... i have to go just think like i need to just draw a bath and think <laughs> just just lay down and think like am i like do am i really into anthropomorphic animals what is this this is very i mean there's no shame in it i just feel like i'm one of those guys who's like you know getting one blowjob from one dude doesn't make me not straight oh. <laughs> i'll be back next I'm week to tell you how percentage what percentage of furry I am. <laughs> You're Oh my god. Sorry. Okay. Well this episode got away def- from me. This episode took a hell of a turn. Or <laughs> has an amazing finale. Or has an amazing finale, yes. Uh let's let's <laughs> let's use that. I like that better. <laughs> well I'm I'm out of facts about Pinocchio anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh and uh as am I, I feel like. Uh I did a um did I do as I don't know if I did a standalone episode of Pinocchio uh, way now. back when, but now I did. So this is great. I love <laughs> it. Uh, so yes, go watch Pinocchio. It is very cute, adorable. It's only like an hour and ten minutes long. It it yeah. it, it does not swallow a lot of your time. Appreciate uh, it as a piece of art because it's insane. It's weird. Yeah, it goes places. <laughs> and like we haven't even gotten to Alice, which is even more bonkers i'm so Um, excited did i ever tell you about the time i tried to watch alice in wonderland on mushrooms but the mushrooms had gone bad and i wasn't totally sure if i had if they had gone bad because the movie's so weird i think you told me that yeah yeah that's i'm excited to talk about alice in wonderland yeah we'll we'll touch on that when we get to it uh okay so that's it for this episode thank you all so much for joining us for this little this cute little talk that went so many different places. But they're good places. Yes, this week was a very interesting chat, and I loved it, and it was great. So uh, stay tuned for next week. Next next week we are going to discuss Fantasia, which is film number three in the Golden Age. And Fantasia I really enjoyed. Uh, I think that movie is very, very fun. And, as, and especially because I, as someone who is a fan of uh, certain uh, aspects of classical music and romantic music and uh, and all that and a lot of the pieces that they highlighted in that film are very very famous uh, and I'm just really excited to touch on that to touch on that film next week I can't wait to Fantasia was the first Disney movie that I watched on repeat you know you find one and you just watch it and drive uh-huh. your parents crazy I'm stoked yeah all right so stay tuned right. for next week we will catch you all then see you then thank you bye thank you